Welcome to the Be Disciples podcast. This is episode number 27 with your hosts, Kyle Morris and Dakota Smith. And joining us tonight is Caleb Van Steenwick as we talk about the importance of studying and living out God's Word. Hey, Caleb, thanks for joining us tonight. Oh, it's awesome to be here. Caleb, thanks for joining us once again. It's really fun that we're relaunching. Kyle, is that what we'd call this? Our podcast relaunch? I mean, or just season two or something. Yeah, we'll go with season two. Absolutely. That sounds pretty legit. Yeah, so to give like a really quick update, and then we really want to get into some scripture uh, this evening and and talk about God's word. But uh, Dakota and I are are pastoring uh, at the same church in Ottawa, Kansas, at Ottawa Bible Church. And I've officially been here for about, uh, let's see, I'm going on my fifth month. Since October. Since October. So uh, kind of getting settled in now. We got uh, in our, we're in our office right now uh, together and we had to buy some new equipment so we could record together in the same room. Yep. And really we're just trying to uh, get everything up and running. So we finally got to a point where we found a time in our schedule to be consistent and we're going to get back to recording. So that's what we're doing. It's uh, finally gotten to that point of being in a routine again. And we have people jumping in from the church who want to help us edit the podcast. That'll be pretty cool. Yes. So I don't have to edit all the podcasts um, and kind of relieve a little bit of time. Uh, We've had really some pretty cool um, things happen with the podcast. I think we've had people uh, come to our church and say they've listened to our podcast before they even came to our church for multiple episodes um, and... and really being introduced to Dakota and I through the podcast mm-hmm. and some of the interviews that we've done. So it's this ministry of a podcast has been a blessing. Uh, it's really shown its fruit. And so we don't want to ignore doing it because uh, we've got a lot of feedback from people that says that they really enjoy it. So we want to keep it going. Yeah. Hey, let me throw this question out at you. Although Caleb's actually going to be the one to lead us tonight with the scripture, you know, uh, since we're relaunching, it's it's important that we come full circle at why we called this podcast "Be Disciples" podcast. Uh, that was influenced from uh, by a professor that all all three of us have had. His name is Tim Reed, and Tim Reed had the famous uh, saying, and still has the famous saying of, "For Christians, we are to be a disciple, make a disciple, and change the world." And we've kind of shortened the name of that to Be Disciples Podcast. And the basic thing is, is we want this to be a resource and a tool for those who listen to not just be equipped with the faith, but to live as a a disciple and to be encouraged to make disciples in these days that we live. Caleb, what do you think? Any additional thoughts? No, I love it. Um, Discipleship, lifelong journey. Uh, You never do it alone by definition. Uh, I think it's, it's fantastic. I mean, and selfishly, I'm a fan of this podcast. I've been listening a long time, too. Uh, so I mean, I and I also just love sitting and chatting with two of my best friends, uh, talking about you know kind of the only thing really worth talking about, which is what's Jesus doing in our life, uh, how he's growing us and stretching us, and uh, doing that alongside one another. You know, my my mentor used to say uh, when I was in high school, he used to say, you know, in the real world, Rambo dies. The guy trying to do it all by himself, uh, he he doesn't make it. You need your right. brothers in Christ uh, to come alongside you, and so this is a discipleship. So. I mean, even if this wasn't a podcast and this was just a conversation between the three of us, I'd be just as excited to be here. Uh, we're fortunate enough that's not the case. We get to uh, have this conversation and perhaps others listen. So I, I'm just excited to be with you guys. Amen. Yeah, and I, I can tell you right now, not a week goes by that I don't think about the time we lived together uh, and our crappy apartment. So yeah. I honestly, <laughs> I, when we <clears throat> moved into our house, uh, my wife and I, 
uh, bought a, a house here and it's, it's actually a brand new house, uh, which is crazy blessing. Honestly, never thought I would live in a new house like that was just built. And, uh, really just the blessings of, of finance and, and, and being good stewards of our money and, and really just blessings of the Lord and ministry and, um, and just sitting in that house, uh, and just thinking about all that, what God has done. And I really went back to that apartment and I was like, man, we lived in an apartment with a transmission stain on the carpet to, to <laughs> chips on the counter from people opening bottles from past people, you know, uh, a dishwasher full of dishes that never got cleaned, uh, little Caesars boxes to the ceiling, you know, any, any whatever you could name it. But it was just one of those things where I was just able to sit back and see God's blessing in my life and see where I'm at and and just enjoy it right now and not get it too ahead of myself or or anything like that. But just to say, you know what, God, thank you. Um, I'm blessed and I'm blessed to be on this podcast with friends that we've been friends for so long and still talking and finding opportunities to do ministry together, even if we're far apart. Amen. Well, Caleb, so as our... Uh... Our first episode with the relaunch begins. Let's pass it off to you. What, <clears throat> what are we going to be studying tonight? Where are we going to be studying from? Uh, what we'll let you lead tonight. Go ahead. Oh, wow, no, no pressure. The floor is uh, yours. <laughs> uh, well, you know, honestly, uh, when it came time to look at a passage, I, I was just very selfish. I was like, I want to pick one of my favorites, uh, and the passage is Second uh, Timothy chapter three. Uh, we'll spend a little bit of time starting in verse 10, but really the meat of this is going to be in verses 14 through the first part of chapter four. And the whole purpose is of this particular passage is the authority and sufficiency of scripture, which is that there is nothing above scripture, that nothing has authority above scripture in our lives and the sufficiency that it is uh, good for us, uh, that it satisfies us, that it is all in all for us. Um, and then there's just some there's some hard messages with that. Uh, there's uh, some you know deep reflecting I've done in my life to chew on some of the truths that are said here because so often we will try to find satisfaction or try to give authority to something in our life that it is not designed to have. Um, so <clears throat> really really fun passage, and I, I'm just looking forward to just diving right in. So if you don't know anything about the, the book, Second Timothy, it's what's called a pastoral epistle, which means uh, Paul is writing to Timothy, who is serving in the pastorate. And like all pastors these days, you know, he needs encouragement. He needs the truth of the gospel. Uh, he needs love. He needs assistance. He needs all those things. And so that's kind of the purpose of this epistle written to Timothy from the apostle Paul under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Um, so let's dive into uh, verse 10. In well chapter said. three. Um, so here, Paul is just spent a little bit of time describing the sin and things that are going on around Timothy in the church. And then in verse 10, he jumps in with this. Now you followed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my perseverance, my persecutions and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So the huge thing that uh, is going on here is that he previously calls out all of the sin 
that is surrounding Timothy in the church. Uh, and then here he talks about his own persecutions and how that is just a normal part of following Christ is the persecution. And then he caps it off again with, oh, these bad things that are happening, they're going to keep happening and they're going to get worse. So the natural question then is, well, what the heck do we do in this scenario? Timothy's naturally just going to think, what do, what do I do with all this stuff going on? Um, and luckily, we don't have to wait for that answer because the Apostle Paul says it right in the very next verse. In verse 14, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So two things. How do you combat this? One, hold fast to your teaching or, or your doctrine is a good translation there. And hold fast to the sacred writings. That's the scripture. That's the Bible we read today. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you know, if there's anything that I'll just jump in real quick and just say this in verses 10 all the way to 13. Isn't it interesting how uh, the, the world of, of the New Testament, or you could say uh, New Testament times, you know, as scripture was, con- the canon was being finalized in the Second Testament, you could say, the circumstances of the first disciples point forward in amplification towards what Revelation speaks about on how all disciples, uh, not just under the Roman Empire in the New Testament world, <laughs> uh, first century, but all believers in the future who live under a greater, more am- amplified, uh, revitalized Roman Empire, whatever that looks like at a worldwide level, all the things that uh, you could say they live through at the microcosmic level, now at the macrocosmic level, believers today or whenever the at the end of the time, uh, uh, the end draws near even closer, we're seeing the same truths. What am I trying to say? Verse 13, but evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And, and before he said that, he even said, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's interesting when I look at Paul's life, Paul is, you know, one of my heroes when you're reading the New Testament. Because you find an aggressive witness in Paul's life. I mean, look at all these places he went to, you know, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and he continues to be persecuted, but he continues to live godly with an aggressiveness and he's just okay with persecution. Uh, He counts it as, you know, an honorable thing to suffer for the Lord. So those are some things that I'm seeing as, as we get started here too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, praise God, honestly, in the West and America in particular, we don't face what I would call real persecution. Now, we can get looked at cross, maybe at worst, we get kicked off of a social media platform. Um, Or, you know, someone gets upset at you because you hold to a biblical truth of, no, I believe sexuality is only supposed to be inside of marriage and marriage is a man and a woman. Right. Uh, you know, those kinds of things that, you know, are unpopular opinions, but that's really all they are right now is, is just unpopular. Now that day could come. Um, I think that's very possible, but we're pretty blessed that a persecution as of now might be, yeah, you're kicked off Facebook. Uh, right. And, you know, versus the things the apostle Paul went through, uh, we can definitely count ourselves blessed. Now, that being said, I, I think it's, 
also an interesting time in, in our nation in that we're seeing uh, it actually cost a little bit to be a follower of Christ. Not, let's, be, let's be clear here, not, not a lot. I don't know of anyone in the U.S. losing their life for following Jesus, um, at least in the U.S., yeah. But it's starting to cost us a little bit. Uh, it can be those social media things. And so I, I think we're we're seeing a point where we're going to see less and less people just kind of nominally follow Jesus. And it will start to cost us something and require us to live a life that is actually demonstrating the value of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're seeing socially a dividing line uh, for sure. And I, I think it's creeping into the workplace. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing this more and more where. Um, the values of a workplace are countering <laughs> the values of a Christian uh, to the point where Christians are having a hard time going to work because they're working for a company that doesn't uh, value God, that doesn't see God as as almighty and holy and perfect. And uh, that's really hard to do. I mean, I've, I've been in both situations where I've worked for a company that clearly uh, is not following God's values and for a company now that is following God's values and bases their values off of scripture. So there's really two different uh, things right now that you kind of have to, you got to figure out in your life, you know, what, what you're going to do and, and really go to the Lord about what is this maybe persecution we could call it. Uh, but I think it's just challenging our faith as Christians in this country right now. Are we going to, dive into scripture like the like it says are we going to know what our doctrine is are we going to dive deeper into who we are as believers and who Jesus is and are we going to do that or are we going to allow the world to creep into the things that we think and allow those to overtake what the bible says so there's definitely a battle of i need to know my bible because there's a lot of stuff being thrown at me and it's being thrown at me really fast uh and the only way i can combat that is to know the truth and that's the Bible. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And that's, that's a huge part of, of this passage as well. Let's look again in verses 14 and 15, Caleb, because actually let, let's go through 14 to 16. Yeah. And just start camping in those three verses. There's much that could be said. And let's look at the nature and the inspiration of scripture and what that means for the believer today. What do we mean when we say the Bible is inspired? How do we know the Bible is inspired? Just, you know, somewhat of a conversation like that. So yeah. 14 again, for the sake of repetition, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work, as it closes in verse 17. When we say all scripture is inspired by God, what does that mean, guys? Uh, the actual word there, a lot of people seem to think that uh, the Apostle Paul invented it right then and there. Um, just to show off my Bible degree, cause I don't get to use it too often. Uh, the Greek word theopneustos, uh, literally meaning God breathed. Yeah. So, so what do we take that to mean? We literally believe that the original autographs of scripture, those original writings were under the direct divine inspiration of God as the Holy spirit, then penned physically through man. Uh, so the apostle Paul putting ink to papyrus, 
and that was inspired by the Holy Spirit, and that it is therefore the very essence of God put onto these pages, and that's why we can say it has authority, isn't something that we question or look to root around to try to make it say something else. Right. Yeah, I, one of the things that just comes to mind is is really when any of us teach, um, and we're preparing to teach. I mean, we're using God's word for one, and it's uh, God breathed and it's written down through men, through the Holy Spirit. And, uh, but when we're teaching God's word, and I, I know talking to you guys off uh, the podcast that there's times where you just know the Holy Spirit's speaking through you <laughs> and it's not you, uh, because it's not something you necessarily thought about in preparation. It's not something you necessarily were ready to say. But you said it, and you knew it lined up. It lined up with scripture because anything from the Holy Spirit has to. Uh, and then you go back and listen, and you're like, "Oh man, I did not prepare that." The Holy Spirit was was really speaking through me in that moment, and gave me an understanding and a piece about that scripture I was talking about, um, and prepare and kind of filled in where I may have been unprepared or may have just not been quite hitting the point that I needed to. But the Holy Spirit really stepped up and said, "No, this is my word." And I'm going to make sure it's true. I'm going to make sure it's said the way I, I want it to be said so the people hear it the way I want the people to hear it. And so I think the Holy Spirit's moving. That's why it's easy for me to believe that the Holy Spirit through man put the pen to paper and wrote it down because I know when I'm speaking uh, from the pulpit, that happens all the time. So, um, you know, just having that experience makes me easily connect to the guys who wrote the Bible to know, wow, the Holy Spirit really does speak. And he uses many different ways, and uh, he uses the Bible for that. Amen. Yeah, I mean, that's the cool thing is at the end of the day, what we need to give attention to is the public reading of God's Word. As we just learned this past week, Kyle, you know, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, uh, piercing between, you know, soul and spirit, uh, joint and bone marrow. In other words, the scripture divides us, but it divides us because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit who also indwells us. The Holy Spirit wrote the scripture and the Holy Spirit also indwells us. He comes to convict of the uh, the world, uh, John 16. Uh, The Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment of which he doesn't do apart from scripture, rogue on his own power, but he, he does so in line with scripture. You know, I'm looking at the the translation here in verse 16. We often say all scripture is inspired by God or breathed out by God. Caleb, you noted that this is what's called a hapax legomenon or Paul. Well, that may not be the case, actually, if we look elsewhere. But either way, you're right. Paul pretty much penned it. And you could easily say in verse 16 that every scripture uh, appealing to the entire canon uh, to be more clear, every scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching. So I just find that interesting. You know, that as Christians, what we're not saying is, I'll choose a few verses here, but the rest got to go. Instead, we're saying we are taking in the entire thing from the first verse to the last verse. We believe every single word, every iota, uh, I mean, just every single letter or word to the exact T, we believe that's been inspired by the Holy Spirit, and and we accept what it says in full, in context, but in full. Yeah, which is a very uh, unpopular opinion because 
<laughs> Let's be honest. The Bible says hard thing. <laughs> yeah. um, and I loved, um, I think it was Dr. Stephen Lawson who had uh, a quote. Yeah, good teacher. Like, yeah, I love the guy. I uh, said, you know, yes, the Bible says hard things, but it doesn't just say hard things because it's difficult. It says hard things because we are so deeply in love with our sin that when it calls that out, it feels really hard. Right. right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's been amazing just uh, speaking to people uh, really who are coming to to the church here uh, at Ottawa Bible Church. Oh, and, man. And testimony after testimony of, I've never been to a church that teaches the Bible this way. It's crazy. And we're like, what do you mean? It's kind of like, what do you mean this way? Like, there's only, <laughs> we're just teaching what the Bible says. Right. And they're like, yeah, there's churches that don't do that. And you're like, wow, like that they're coming here for the teaching because we want to teach truth. We want to teach what the Bible says, not what we have to say. Um, and it does expose us. That's what we learned this last Sunday when <laughs> we're in Hebrews. It exposes us right. um, to, to our sin, to the deepest point. You know, once I even mentioned in this, in the sermon, I said, how many sermons have you listened to where you think the pastor's following you around week after week because <laughs> they keep teaching on the things you're struggling with? Yeah. And everyone laughed because everyone knows that. That's what that's what scripture does. If you hear the word of God, if you study the word of God, you will be exposed and it won't feel very good. Yeah. You know, you'll know when something's where your life is just not in a place where it's supposed to be when it comes to your relationship with the Lord, it'll, it'll make you feel that way. But that's also not necessarily a bad thing. And I tried to say that as well. When that happens, if your response is, Lord, I want to be closer to you. Lord, I want to know you more. I want to get into prayer. I, I want to repent and and recognize that and move forward. That's a good thing. That's a healthy thing right. in your relationship with the Lord. So just because you're exposed doesn't mean you're necessarily a bad person or a bad Christian or any of those things. It just means that you've got a place to grow in. And yeah. to be honest, that's going to be our whole lives. Yeah. So we better get used to uncomfortable. We better get used to being exposed because just because I'm a pastor, Dakota's a pastor, you're a leader at your church, Caleb, and we we get exposed too. Uh, and we have to be okay with working through that with those in our lives. Well, let me throw this out to you all. I'll, I'll toss out a question. What if you go to church and you hear the word of God preached every single week and you're never uncomfortable? I would argue you're probably not hearing the word of God every single week um, yep. because yeah. I... Uh, or, From the or, yeah, or you're not paying attention or, you know, the problem is six inches between your head and your heart. It's really easy to hear words and, uh, and, and think, you know, it, it's another thing for, uh, God's truth to lead you to repentance. And I would argue that if that, if that is you, um, number one, uh, I'm, gl I'm glad you're at least listening every week. Uh, number two, Maybe you're the problem. Uh, don't just assume your pastor's the problem. Uh, right. We've got wicked, evil hearts uh, that will put up a fight against the Word of God. But you're right. You know, you, you should not be comfortable week after week. Uh, you know, I I think it was uh, I'm probably going to misquote this now, but uh, Doctor uh, Jones who said, um, "Be be killing sin, lest it be killing you." Yeah. Amen. So if put if it to death. Exactly. So if week after week, you're just, oh, that was kind of encouraging. That was encouraging. That was encouraging. Yeah, the word of God is supposed to rip you open, reveal your sin and lead you to repentance. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, I know when I'm when I'm prepping, uh, even if, you know, because most passages 
do that, right? They, they reveal sin. Uh, they reveal uh, how selfish we are and all those things. So in those passages, I'm like, you know, we have to look at the encouraging pieces as well, because it is easy to look at those things, the negative things. The Bible does that. It's just what it is. But there are very encouraging things in the Bible too. So I know when I'm always preparing, I'm always looking for those encouraging pieces because the Lord really does love us. He really does save saved us. He really did all these things for us. And those are all amazing things that we should be celebrating and giving glory to God in. And so, yeah, it, it's it's hard at times sometimes going through a passage. You're like, man, this one is going to be a tough one this week because it, it really gets to you and it, it's going to get to people's hearts and it's going to make people feel uncomfortable. Uh, but back to your question, Dakota, you know, I think if you're going to church week after week, you you know, and you're not really getting anything out of it, there's, you know, a couple things and, and Caleb kind of talked, there is the obvious, the, well, maybe you haven't called Jesus Lord. Um, and, and that's plain and simple. You may have the knowledge of the Bible. Uh, you may know that Jesus died on the cross and that he was resurrected. You may have the knowledge of those things, uh, but have you called Jesus Lord? Uh, is he truly your savior and is he truly your king? Yeah. Um, and then there's the other one that, you know, I preached on this last week, which is unbelief when talking about the book of Hebrews and, and are you live, is, are you living in a place of unbelief in your life? Is there something going on in your life where you're just not giving to the Lord? Um, and that can really put you in a place like the Israelites for 40 years, not following the Lord and just doing the things that they wanted to do. Even though they knew the Lord existed, they knew who God was but they didn't follow him. And so, um, yeah, again, you know, you just got to really, you know, I don't, it's kind of a cliche saying, you know, check your heart, but that's really what you're doing. You're saying, Hey, am I really paying attention to what the Lord is saying every Sunday? Am I reading my Bible? Am I doing these things? Not out of because I have to, but because I really want to know God more. I really want to dig deeper. I want to have an intimate relationship with him. Uh, and if you're not doing that, um, it's just a good place to recognize that you're not and and then figure out how to move forward. And the church is the place to do that. Come to church, ask questions, talk to your pastor, talk to your elders, deacons, whoever, and and get some encouragement with them. Get some what we call discipleship. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's what this is all about, this podcast. So that's why discipleship is so important, because it allows us to grow and allows us to be challenged by people. Uh, and if we're not doing that, if we're not being, if we're not being challenged, then we will we'll end up sitting in the pews and saying, yeah, great sermon. And then going home and not really taking anything from it. Yeah. You know, it, one thing that I just feel led to say, if you're listening to this podcast right now, I just want to speak to you very directly. Uh, you know, the scripture does speak to those who think that they stand but it actually says, look, if you think you stand, you need to be careful lest you fall. So first of all, right now, if you're listening to the podcast and you're like, oh yeah, I'm listening to scripture every single week. I, I walk away challenged every week. I'm I'm growing in my walk. Praise God. That's awesome. But keep doing it. Keep going. If you're someone who's like, you know, the things of this world are just, they're really captivating to me. And sometimes I'm just bored with the Bible. Sometimes I'm bored with Bible reading. I really want to encourage you right now uh, to to gear up, to to stand up, to strengthen the knees that are weak and feeble, um, to remove every weight and encumbrance, uh, the sin that so easily entangles us. Get that out of the way 
and get back to the Word of God. Here's the truth is either we are becoming conformed to the Word of God and in becoming to the conformed to the Word of God, we're becoming conformed to the image of the Son, or there's only another option. If not the Word of God, then we're becoming conformed to the image of the world, or you could even say the message of the world, and looking worldly in our nature. There's no new, There's no such thing as neutrality. Either we're becoming more like Jesus or we're being influenced by the world. And what stands as the bridge to, to becoming like Jesus is his word. Uh, so get back to the Bible. The Bible will cleanse your heart of sin. And the Bible will make you... Um, uh, well, as it says here, it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Uh, you will walk with Jesus as you adhere to his word. Amen, guys. Amen. And I just think, uh, you know, beautiful words in, in this passage. I mean, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable. Yeah. You know, I, I always think of like um, a profit and loss statement. Like, you know, in the uh, book of James, consider it all joy, my brethren. Uh, it's that same idea of like taking your profit and loss sheet or you balancing your checkbook and it's okay. One goes in the positive, one goes in the negative. And similar to James one, where it says, consider this joy, this goes in the positive. This is a good thing. It's to your benefit. And it's the same in verse 16 here. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable. It goes yeah. in the, the good column. It is to your good for, and it calls out uh, four specific things. Obviously it's not an exhaustive list. Um, the one thing I love to say here is like, in so many ways, when we read this in English, it can at least sound like some of these are redundant. It's like teaching, reproof, mm -hmm. correction. Okay, that kind of all sounds the same, doesn't it? Yep. Um, but the beautiful thing is, it, it's really not. So like teaching isn't, it's not talking about the act of teaching. Uh, mm -hmm. Some translations will translate the word there as doctrine, which is kind of what we talked about in uh, or instruction. 14. Yeah. Uh, or like for teachings is probably a good way to say it as well. Like when we talk about like the doctrines of the Christian faith of Christ being the substitute for our sin, that is a closely held doctrine. So the scripture is profitable for that. It's profitable for reproof, which is, you know, I kind of like it. Yeah. And as well as proving versus changing, uh, you know, like a mathematical proof, you know, like, you know, if, because this is true, then this is true, then this is true, then this is true. It's that, kind of language. And then yeah. the one that always bites me the hardest is, is for correction. Yeah. Because Ouch. if we're honest, we just, we still day after day, no matter how long we continue to walk with Jesus, we will believe wrong things. Mm -hmm. Like in the moment we'll believe that no, what God says is true. I'm pushing that aside because I really think this sin is going to satisfy me more than Jesus will. Right. We would never, we would never vocalize it that way. But in that moment where we're choosing to sin, that is exactly what we're saying. And so it's that correction of, you know, fix the wrong things I believe. Yep. And then the final is the ongoing, just training in righteousness. Mm -hmm. um, I, yep. you know, kind of like what, what you were saying, Dakota and, and Kyle, he's talking about getting into the word for it to, uh, you know, wash over you and, and convict you of sin. We really, uh, in, in a lot of Christian culture, we love to look a lot of different places to help us with that. Like, and there, and there are great things to do. There are great practical steps we can do to cut sin out of our lives. Um, if someone's, if someone struggles with the sin of pornography, okay, let's get the technology out of your life. Don't have a smartphone, get rid of the computer. There are, there are practical things you can do, 
But this text here says that every scripture, all scripture is profitable for training in righteousness. Yeah. You want to put sin to death? Be swim in the text, like be in the word of God. Like you, you ever have those moments? I was like, man, I just feel like I'm, I'm not as close to God as I want to be. It says it right here. You can be. I'm in the text. (laughs) You want to do that? That's, that's how you do these things. It isn't, oh, maybe I just, you know, really need to be in church that one more day a week. Hey, it's never a bad idea to be in church, but this text is clear. You want to be more like Jesus. You want to be trained in righteousness. Yep. Swim in the text. Yeah. You know, the word here for training, I uh, just looked it up. The word is uh, paideia, and it has a little note here. Right now, as a parent, I am trying to train my children, literally, in how to live with what's right. And it has a note here. I'm looking on Blue Letter Bible, just an outline of biblical usage. The whole training and education of children, which relates to the cultivation of mind and morals, and employs for this purpose now commands and admonitions, now reproof and punishment. It also includes the training and care of the body. Uh, Maybe you could think of it in the sense of an athlete. But either way, think of how you want to train your kids for what's right in a parental aspect, or training yourself as an athlete, preparing for the Olympics or or some athletic uh, event. That's the idea of training here, but training in righteousness, literally right living. And that's what the Bible is profitable for, you know, to convict you, to show you the truth and to get you ready for battle, to get you ready for what's coming <laughs> because you stand against evil. Amen. 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 Yeah. I mean, I think sports is probably one of the easiest ways to do that. Even just thinking about football, we got the Super Bowl coming up this Sunday and man, those, those guys, they train and they train and they train. I mean, it is, you know, they spend a lot of time being good at what they do. Uh, and, but you can't always mimic what's going to happen on the field in practice. You can prepare for what's going to happen on the field, right? Uh, you can, you can know their schemes. Uh, you can kind of have an idea, but when you get on the field, anything can happen. And, you know, when we go out in the world, uh, when we're living our lives, uh, scripture tells us to do a bunch of things. Hey, you should probably not do this and you should probably not do that. And, uh, you should, you should get closer to the Lord. And when you go out in the world, you realize, oh yeah, I should probably do those things because it gets, it kicks you in the butt, you know? So it's the same thing as, as sports and training. It's a great analogy because, you know, you're not going to really know how tough it is until you get in those situations and how you really need to know scripture to get through those situations. And so that's why we study because we need to, we need to know more about God. We need to, uh, be able to, go out and share the gospel and then be able to back up some of those questions that people ask. We need to study apologetics. We need to do these things uh, because we need to be prepared. Amen. Amen. I'm looking at verse 17, just continuing in this verse. There's a reason, there's a purpose clause here in the words, so that all scripture is inspired by God and profitable, profit and loss statement, as Caleb was talking about, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God, not just any old person, right? (laughs) So that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. I'm looking at those words, adequate and equipped, and uh, a translation, uh, uh, you know, you could look at it another way. So that the man of God may be fitted and furnished for every good work. The word equipped there is the the same idea of having 
uh, a brand new house with an empty room and, and you furnish it completely. I mean, you, you just, you make the house beautiful and you allow the couches to be in the right place. Uh, you put the sink in the right place, the refrigerator in the right place. It has the idea of being complete and, and working. Absolutely. And, and I just think it's a beautiful uh, and simple definition of the how, the how we live this Christian life. How does the Holy Spirit work in us? Uh, and it is through just spending this time in the Word of God. I mean, it just unpacked how it is inspired by God, how it's profitable, the four ways in this sense where it is profitable, all for that result, so that you can be equipped and furnished, uh, so that you are uh, ready for every good work. Uh, I just think that that's beautiful and it's so easy. And I'm, I'm one of the most guilty. It's so easy for us to look elsewhere, uh, you know, even with things that I think are good things, but they're not the scripture of like, you know, I really, you know, I'm just struggling. I just need to be alone with God. I'm just, I'm just going to turn on some worship music and just sit and listen. Hey, that's not a bad thing. Uh, it is not the same thing as diving into the word of God. Um, right. And, and sadly, if, if we find ourselves amongst tragedy, uh, we don't need to turn on Christian radio hoping just that very next song is going to be what we need to get us through. Right. Of Christian music. I love music in general, especially Christian music that honors God. But that is not the answer. Uh, hoping you can scroll through your Facebook feed just to find that very next inspirational quote that's really going to get you through this tough time. That's a poor substitute for the word of God. Even even great people like my wife and, and you guys, like having good conversations with you about where I'm struggling and being encouraged by you are great things that God has ordained to be in our lives to shape us. But even you guys are horrible substitutes for the word of God in my life. Right. And, and, and that is so what Caleb is saying is don't <laughs> stop listening to us yeah. <laughs> and read the Bible. I think that's what he's saying. Well, well hey, no, we, no, are, we are expanding on the word right <laughs> yeah. now. Does that yes. count? Yeah, yeah. We, we are talking about the Bible. <laughs> but here's what I will say, though, is if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, oh, I don't need to read the Bible today. I'll just listen to this podcast instead. Uh, right. Shut this off right now and open up your Bible. Right. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, don't. No, this is always be. Uh, supplemental, absolutely to your to your uh, studying God's word. Um, you know, I think you know one of the pastors that uh, you know I look up to, and I know you guys listen to many times. Matt Chandler. If you go on his website right before you listen to his sermon, he tells you this is not your church if you don't go here. Pretty much, <laughs> this yep. is supplemental. You need to go to your church. You need to be in your in the Word of God, and this is supplemental to. Um, to your walk. And so Amen. it's the same thing on this podcast. This is supplemental. This is a, a an extra uh, above and beyond reading scripture. Amen. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I have a few examples. Um, I'll try to, I'll try to do it quickly, but this is from um, a, jour a journaling exercise and, and things that I did that really kind of helped me put into perspective the scripture. Um, so for instance, if, if I commit, you know, that sin, whatever it is, and, you know, I promised myself countless times, hey, I'm not going to do that anymore. That That's done. I don't do that. And and But nonetheless, I commit that sin again. I mean, what in that moment is going to point me more to Jesus? Someone saying to me, hey, it's, it's going to be fine. Just, you know, pray more and try harder. It's going to be okay. Or what if instead someone pointed me to the scripture of 2 Corinthians 5 verses 16 through 17? 
It says, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one by the flesh, even though we have known Christ by the flesh, yet we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Um, similarly, if, um, you know, just a few days before Christmas, I had a good friend, uh, reach out to me and, um, real tragedy struck in that his wife, who was 19 weeks pregnant, uh, went into labor and they lost their son. Uh, wow. And I think about that moment of what, like, what, what can I say to him? Uh, you know, God has a plan for your life. Okay. Th- sure. That's true. But really that that's, what's going to bring comfort in that moment. Or, or can we look at, you know, Psalm 73, 25 and 26, Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, <clears throat> or at least verse 26, sorry, I don't have 25 in front of me, uh, but, uh, my heart and my flesh and, and even my unborn child may fail me, but you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And so when I think about these moments of, of life, just being hard and real tragedy, um, you know, I don't want the disservice of someone patting me on the back saying, Hey, try harder. It's going to get better. I need the word of God. I need the truth of all of scripture to be what sustains me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you just brought something to my mind, Caleb, because there was, and maybe it's still a fad uh, or it's just an idea that kind of floats around. But, you know, when, when tragedy strikes, when difficult things happen, there's almost like this attitude where as Christians, we're not allowed to, you know, give people a bunch of scripture and stuff. And, you know, there is a place for remaining silent. I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying that you should be annoying with the Bible, but really we need to be careful about that because like if, if I'm not seeking to be annoying and I'm, and really I, I feel like, Hey, there's only one way to minister to this person. What does God say? You can't go wrong with giving them scripture because it's scripture that will minister to their heart. It's the word of God, you know? Um, So I think as Christians, there's room for sensitivity and discernment, of course. But when tragedy strikes, I mean, what, what, what more could you want than just the word of God in your hands to be able to encourage an individual? Because God may be able to work through that particular moment for their good, and you have a word for them of which God has already spoken. Agreed. Yeah, no, certainly. I know when I get in just when I hear bad news uh, from from anybody, you know, it stops me in my tracks because I don't I don't know what to say. Like, because uh, to be honest, I don't really think there's too much anybody can say to me if something happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, I'm going to pray for them. And I think a lot of times praying for them in that moment is, is very powerful um, and not letting that moment slip by, uh, but really letting God work. Uh, in their heart and showing, just showing them that you care and that uh, you're, you're there for them. And I think the follow-up is important too. I know so many people who have gone through tragedy and, and uh, you know, there's all those people kind of in the moment that's like, I'm praying for you, you know, God's there for you. And and there's this kind of immediate rush of, of people who, who say they care, but we have to make sure we follow up with people mm-hmm. um, later on. I think, you know, a time where maybe they've already done some grieving, uh, whatever has happened and kind of done some processing and then following up and having a, probably a way better conversation than you would have in the moment when they first told you. Yeah. Um, so I, I think following up and making sure you encourage them with, with the word, uh, have a good conversation or take them out to coffee or, or have them over for a meal. I think those moments are a little more powerful. Um, 
that's just kind of my recommendation just because it makes it a little more real and you're living life with them and you're letting them know that you care, but ultimately you want to show them that, that God is there and he comforts, um, and he comforts through his people sometimes. And that's us. And we need to be comforters when, when those things come around. Absolutely. Guys, let's pick it up in chapter four verses, uh, one through five really seem to be the next section, but you know, we could really just, uh, read the first two verses and, and kind of work from there, but within the thought, with, <clears throat> within the thought pattern of verses one through five. So, uh, Caleb, why don't you pick it up and, and read it for us? I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. It really doesn't get like any bigger build up than that, by the way, in the entire New Testament. Verse two, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Well, those are, Big two verses. <laughs> I I just get hit with verse two. Well, and I always um I I use verses one and two uh, in my mind a lot to straighten my path again to recognize what is Im- important. Um, so for instance, you know I I love to plug in words at the beginning of verse two that aren't there. You know, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's the judge of the living and the dead, and by His appearance and His kingdom make sure you don't disappoint your boss at work. No, that's, that's, that's not what that says. Or, you know, make sure that you've, you know, provided for your family and done everything your wife has asked of you today. Good things. I would say both of those things are very good things and God honoring things to do, but I will inject these little things into verse two as if that's the charge of like, no, that's, that's what God's calling you to do. No, 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 no. Right. Preach. Yeah. The word. That, uh, I guess you could say is a slogan at Dallas Theological Seminary, Keruksan Tan Lagan, right? Uh, I mean, proclaim this, <laughs> proclaim this word, which is fully breathed out by God. If God breathed it, you preach it, you proclaim it. Um, this is where the passionate <laughs> evangelistic side of me comes out. You know, we often use language like, hey, we need to share the gospel, but Sharing makes it sound like it's something that you can decide to withhold, like a lunch during sandwich time. I'm either going to share it with you or I'm not, right? But preaching it, proclaiming it, and being solemnly charged to do so is like, especially for the pastorate, right? Because, I mean, that's who Paul is speaking with to Timothy. Especially in his case, this is not something to be taken lightly. His number one thing to Timothy is, preach the word, you know, and there's that full force. There's a, a heavy focus. There's no exclamation point in the Greek, but my goodness, if there was, you'd have, you know, exclamation, 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 exclamation over and over and over again here. Um, I'm looking at some of my notes here and I want to make a, a point on preaching the word. Look at things that Paul has said elsewhere to Timothy just within this letter. And 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, he says, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, he says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words. In 2 Timothy 2, 2, he says, The things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men. 2 Timothy 2, 15, Rightly dividing the word of truth. 
2 Timothy 2.24, a servant of the Lord must be able to teach. In 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So Paul has been hammering Timothy this whole time, probably in his last letter, the last thing he has to say to him. If there's one thing you stick to, Timothy, you stick to the word of God and you proclaim it. Yeah, and I mean, preaching the word is is very clear here. We also, we as a pastor, we can't just know the word. Uh, we can't just, you know, just look at the areas of the Bible that we just like and dismiss the others. You know, we can't separate word out. We have to preach the fullness of the word, all of it, even if we don't like it, even if it hurts, even if it's something we're struggling with, even if it's something we can't connect with, we have to preach it. That's what this says. You cannot ignore any of it. You have to preach the fullness of God's truth. That's, you know, that's a sticking point for me. Um, I am not going to use names, but I've heard <laughs> a few things. Uh, not from you two fine gentlemen, obviously, but like By when, I, when I legitimately look at like, yeah, when I look at like, you know, preach the whole word, uh, you know, I hear some of the things we, we've heard lately of, you'll hear someone look at the text and say, well, okay, right here, this is Paul talking, not oh, God. Oh man, so dangerous. Oh, well, of course. Well, and it's just not true because we talked about inspiration of the Holy Spirit um, or as someone famously said, hey, us Christians, we just need to unhitch ourselves from the Ooh. Old Testament. It's okay. You can uh, say Andy Stanley. Don't worry. I mean, <laughs> I will say Andy Stanley. I was trying to be nice. I, I'm not saying everything the guy has ever said is horrible. I'm just saying that statement when he said that, I was like, yep. okay, your, your Bible skips verse 16 in chapter three then, because my Bible says all scripture right. is profitable. Right. And inspired by God. Um, so I, I think that's another thing, you know, as you two guys, you know, pastor your people, it's, th there is no scripture that we can just kind well, of forget you, about. When you take out you know, oh, a little bit of scripture, it automatically takes out more of scripture and then it takes out more. It's like, it's just keeps taking. And then eventually there is no scripture. You can't just take out a little bit. It impacts yeah. the rest of it. Um, so when you take out a truth and say, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. You're pretty much, you might as well just throw the Bible away. I mean, you're, you're, you can't pick and choose. The Bible is the Bible. The truth is truth. Um, and it's hard. Like we just talked about earlier. Remember it, it cuts us, it divides us, it rips us apart because it exposes our sin. So when we have those moments where we want to throw a verse out, we have to go, Oh, that's exposing me <laughs> because I don't like it. So yeah, yeah it just kind of comes back exactly. around to that. And we have to teach the entire world. There's something else here, too, just as we're camping in verse, well, first of all, verse 1, uh, Paul charges Timothy with this, in the presence of God and Christ Jesus. When he says, I solemnly charge you, that's a courtroom term, like as if Timothy were under oath. And then he says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who obviously, you know, there's another courtroom idea because they are the ones, specifically Jesus uh, with the authority passed down from the Father, who is to judge the living and the dead. So you get this courtroom witness kind of scenario. And, and in that scenario, he, he's like, Timothy, I charge you, look, by his appearing and by his kingdom, you know Jesus is returning. You know his kingdom is coming. How do you need to prepare for his coming and for his kingdom in this courtroom atmosphere? Preach the word. And it's not just from the pulpit, because it goes on to say, preach the word how and or rather when, in season and out of season, when it's convenient for you, 
and when it's not convenient for you, when, you know, when your life is on the line and things are dangerous uh, or it's not. Either way, there should never be a time where you're, un, you know, where you're unprepared to give an account. So to proclaim this in all seasons, man, that's huge. It's like whether there's persecution or not, whether our country's going south or not, Christians, we stand on the word. And I mean, just a personal example, this last week, I uh, was was uh, preaching this last week on Sunday. Dakota had me up there and, um, you know. You can go to OttawaBibleChurch.com. You can click on sermons and see Kyle's latest well, sermon. On there. <laughs> you can watch it if you want. There's but <laughs> There's a little shameless plug. <laughs> uh, but on top of that sermon, throughout the week, you know, it's a busy, I have a whole, I have another full-time job um, and then other ministry responsibilities. Um, and then having to preach during the week, which I, I'm not complaining at all because I love to prepare to teach. I love to get up there and teach. Um, it's something I enjoy. But there are weeks like this last week that there were moments in the week that I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm just going to let, I know Dakota already prepared a sermon and he did it on the radio. So I'm just going to let him do it. There were moments that passed through my mind because I was so busy. I was, I, I was, I just felt like I was wrapped up with all this other stuff. And then I had to remind myself like, no, preaching the word is the most important. <laughs> and I'm allowing these other things yeah. to weigh me down, these thoughts to weigh me down. And I had to really pray about God, I need time and I, I want to prepare because my heart is in a place of, I don't want to take this for granted. I, I want to use this opportunity to be excellent. And so I, I, you know, I had to dig down deep and do it because, you know, I had to find strength in the Lord because we're called to preach and it was my turn. It was my, I was called to do it this Sunday and I felt that responsibility. And so life's hard, life gets tough, life gets busy, things happen. Um, but we can't forget the most important thing, which is to preach the word and tell people who Jesus is. Amen. Amen. Caleb, I want to I want to ask you a question as we dive into the language yeah. here. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but in verse two, you know, anytime we see a list, the list should lead us as we're trying to interpret the verses. Verse two: Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Got it. But then he says, "Reprove, rebuke, exhort." How with great patience and instruction, or again, doctrine. But reprove, rebuke, exhort. Is there a distinction? between these three words, or is Paul just using various synonyms to convey his point? No, I think uh, they're definitely dramatically different things. Uh, And some of them have similar root words to what was in uh, verse 16 as well. So reprove is similar to the the reproof word. It's the same root word uh, in uh, verse 16, where it talks about to prove something to be true and therefore prove something else to be false. So as you're preaching the word in season and out of season, which I, I've heard a lot of really, you know, really smart guys try to explain the context of in season and out of season. One of my personal favorites was my former pastor who just said, you know, if you're not in season, you're out of season. And if you're not out of season, it's that you're in season. season. So this means preach the yeah. word all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's good. Um, I'm going to use that. I'll steal that. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. I'll do it. Do it. Um, but so reproving what is true, showing what is true, what is not true, rebuking when something is not true, 
call it out. I mean, to quote John Calvin, just as the dog is not, or just as the dog barks when his master is under attack, neither can I remain silent when the word of God is being Oof, attacked. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so similarly, yeah, a heavy quote, uh, but rebuke. Now, always keep in mind the last couple of words of this verse with great patience and instruction, right. because we've all said stupid things yeah. in the past and we've been corrected for them. So don't get all high and mighty. Uh, verse two told me to rebuke yeah. you, you horrible sinner. Yeah. You. There's also no. verses about, you um, know, making sure the, you know, the, the log is out of your own eye. So. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Good call. There's Good conditions call. around that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then uh, exhort, uh, if I'm getting this correct, uh, you know, exhort is really, uh, you know, paracaleo yeah, come alongside. Uh, to be, yeah, to, to come alongside, to comfort, uh, to help, to lift up, to encourage. Um, so the first few are like, hey, correcting, reproofing, and rebuking, but also encouragement uh, for coming alongside someone for, for that kind of training and, and just overall help. It's not just use this text to beat someone over the head into submission. No, it's got much more use than that. And then do all of it with both patience and instruction because uh, it, God's pretty patient with you and your instruction, so you should be the same to your brothers and sisters that, in Christ. That is so humbling. You know, I'll just say it because it's probably not a secret for me or for any pastor. When you so badly want the people of God, especially the sheep that you're trying to shepherd, when you so badly want them to get it and they don't get it yet, and it could be on any subject, I'm just speaking in generality. When you so badly want them to get it and they don't get it yet, it's important that we always preach to them with great patience. Uh, another word here is long suffering, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to come alongside. Yeah. I mean, if I look at the word reprove and then rebuke, one word is positive, the other is negative. I'm going to tell you what's right, I'm going to tell you what's wrong, and then exhort to come alongside. I'll tell you what's right, what's wrong, and I'm going to do so while I come by your side, encouraging you, being patient with you, loving you in the process, just as a shepherd would his sheep. So, you know, First uh, Corinthians 13, love is patient. And the moment I've lost my patience is the moment I'm no longer loving, and if I'm not loving, I can't walk by their side. And that's one of the things about pastoring that I'm having to give to Jesus. It's, Lord, I can't be everybody's Holy Spirit. Help me to come alongside your people to love them and to see them to grow uh, through your eyes, not my own out of frustration. Because if, if I minister out of frustration, I'm not going to get anywhere, you know? So these verses just really hit home in the context of preaching and and loving uh, the people of God. Absolutely. So why don't we pick it up here in verses three, all the way to five. Uh, I'll just go ahead and I'll read it this time. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. How relevant oh, is that for all of us today? 
Yeah, every every believer, every Christian, this is right now. I mean, this is there's no other time. I mean, (laughs) this is happening in Christian churches. Uh, It's happening in all kinds of different ways of different teachings that are pulling uh, people away from truth. I mean, I I mean, I can't even tell you how many conversations I have throughout the week about false teaching because it's happening so often now. Um, twisting the word of God to make a sermon uh, that makes people feel good and taking illustrations that uh, don't even come close to what the word of God is actually saying uh, to to fill seats. Um, and people are slowly bringing in these teachings uh, at a, such a slow pace where people aren't even recognizing um, just how bad it is. Um, and we have to be careful. Uh, we, we really have to pay attention to what's being talked about in churches and, and what they're doing. It can sound good. Uh, it can sound like it's they're a thriving church, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean they are. It doesn't mean they're a healthy church, and it doesn't mean they're really learning the Word of God. So, yeah, this is happening now uh, in many different ways, for sure. Yeah, and don't fall into the trap of thinking because, uh, well, on both sides, uh, if you as a pastor, just because your church is growing in attendance doesn't necessarily mean you're still being faithful to the yeah. word of God. And you as a congregant, just because you're going to a church that has 5,000 people on a Sunday and continues to grow doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's a blessed ministry and it's built on the word of God. Uh, why? Because it seems to me that in texts like this, as well as Christ's words of, you know, narrow is the oh, way that leads so to righteousness. Good, well, and let, let me ask this question because I think uh, it's, it is easy to sit here and say, there are churches out there. There are people out there uh, that are not teaching the word of God. And there are people mm-hmm. pulling people away from truth, right? I can, I can give examples. We can talk about that, but let's, let's look at the other end of that. What do we as, as Christians or pastors or leaders in a church, how do we do it right? What is, what is doing it right look like? And then what does that fruit look like within a church? Because we want to know what that looks like because people are searching for that. People are searching for how God is working in churches, that people are actually teaching the word of God. They, they want that. They're, they're looking for it. People are searching all over the place for it. So what does that look like? I know Dakota and I have that conversation. We have that conversation yeah. in our elders meetings. What does it yep. look like to be a fruitful church? Um, so if you guys want to expand on that, because I think that is so important when we have this false teacher conversation too, to make sure we talk about that. So people know what they're looking for. Yeah. I, you know, I tend to think the answer is incredibly similar, if not identical to what does that look for as me being fruitful, the word of God. Um, obviously there, there are some differences when you apply it to a large scale of many people inside of a church, but number one, do we call sin, sin? Are we gracious with one another, but standing firm to the righteousness of God in what is sin versus what is good? Uh, and then also, are we pointing one another to the truth of the gospel versus it's okay, try yeah. harder? Yeah. Um, and I think all of those are marks of my life of okay, hold on. Am I actually trusting Jesus with this? Or have I somehow believed the myth that I'm in charge of my sanctification and I've got to do all these things in order for uh, Jesus to love me enough to bring me back to him. Um, And a a church culture 
of one that is full of confession, but grace and calling sin, sin, while still exhorting and coming alongside someone. Uh, to me, that is the mark of a biblically grounded and gospel driven church that then does not sit and terminate upon itself, but rather goes and multiplies by making multiplying disciples. If I can, very well said, Caleb, if I can add to it, just to answer Kyle's question, uh, part of what I think it looks like is everything that he's just said, what Paul has just written to Timothy, you know, um, remaining true to the Bible. Uh, I have a good friend from back home. He's the Bible department chair at Gilbert Christian High School. Uh, uh, His name is Stephen Wilson, and he goes to Christ Church, used to be called Harvest but he's at Christ Church, a thriving church in the valley. And he made the comment once, and it's never left me, that, you know, there are churches that grow very quickly because how you draw someone is essentially how you keep someone. If you draw someone with entertainment, you have to keep them entertained in order for them to stay. But if you draw them with the word of God and the word of God gets to minister to them, then keep preaching the word. And you will continue to minister to that person. There's no transition that needs to take place. And slowly but surely, if churches just preach the Bible, just swing the golf club and let the club do the work, let the word of God do all the work, then churches will start to grow because there will be a light versus darkness contrast from what the rest of the world is is teaching. Um, I was listening to a... a Bot Family Radio, uh, I think it's Christian Family Radio, but there's a podcast called um, The Hamilton Corner, <laughs> and they uh, they were teaching today on how cultural Marxism uh, and critical theory, critical race theory, all of these things have just captivated the church recently. And he was making a point I had never thought of before. And I know I'm going long-winded here, but I've I've got a really big point to make in this in this area. He says it, it seems to me that if the church stops preaching the gospel, it creates a chasm or a void for the church. Now, because you're bored with the gospel or you're bored with the work of God, there's a void of purpose in you as a Christian. So when you hear something like critical race theory, social injustices, things of that nature, as they come from a worldly spin, you'll grab a hold of them to fulfill that void or that purpose in your life because you've neglected the gospel. But critical race theory can't save anybody, or at least the implications of what we should do with it. You know, it's a, a godless belief system devoid of the cross. If the cross doesn't change the heart, there's no transformation. Do all human beings have value? Absolutely. But listen, we as Christians don't have to buy into other theories because we have something better. We have the gospel, the cross of Jesus Christ, which can save. Where nobody, no man must or has to remain a slave to anything or anyone ever again because we've got the grace of God. It's like every belief system every counterfeit belief system in the world right now, they all have gospel messages. Let's just talk about like, you know, the beliefs behind the Green New Deal. Every belief system has a creation, fall, restoration uh, story, redemption, restoration story. The world was perfect. We screwed it up with, you know, um, 
putting pollution into the air. We've got to clean that up and that's a restored world, right? Or Marxism, uh, because we put social constructs on people, right? That was the original sin. Now remove all social constructs and people get redeemed and that's how you're going to restore everybody. And it's like, that's not the gospel, but those are things that itching ears want to hear in these days. Another gospel. (laughs) Absolutely. I just had to go off for a second. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. Um, It's amazing uh, how when we've just failed to recognize the true gospel, how then it's easy to just push aside for whatever the hot button topic is today. No, certainly. Well... I think this conversation has been awesome. Thank you, Caleb, for, for bringing the text tonight uh, and, oh, and really walking us through uh, what it says in 2 Timothy. And, and it's it's always great to have you on, and we'll probably have you on very soon again um, and just to join us in, in great conversation. So um, thank you, guys. I'm glad to be back, glad to be recording again. And uh, we'll pick up in our study on 1 Timothy, which we left off uh, when we ended recording. Uh, So that'll be coming up in our future episodes. So again, thank you, Caleb. Thank you again, Dakota. And uh, God bless.